Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Big hour coming up here, 8 o'clock hour on a Wednesday. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise, good to have you in here. Uh, we've got the D-Mace dissection coming up right now. Uh, next segment, we're going to get back to the Predators game and also an interesting piece of audio that came out regarding Kyle Turris from TSN's Bob McKenzie. Sean Henry will join us coming up at 8.30. And then we've got to stick to sports at 8.45. So an action-packed hour, but right now we begin with another installment of the D-Mace dissection as 85 has circled uh, and zeroed in on a few plays from the All-22 Coaches film. Ooh. Absolutely. People, once again, it's me, Derek Mason, and I'm going to dissect Marcus Mariota and the Tennessee Titans offense. I have four plays here. So is this more like an will, autopsy today? Yeah, that I will go over very quickly. Why is the Raiders music playing? Exactly. you got to love it, though. I like I John Facenda. I am going to channel, channel my inner baldy um, here um, in regards to breaking Make sure your down. pinky's a little crooked. Yeah, it can, I can't bend it, so it doesn't. I'm close to it. Um the Tennessee Titans had problems this past weekend at moving the ball. And oh, the hell you say. Ap- after further, you know, after further um, viewing of the tape, um, some was Marcus Fort and some wasn't. But here are a few plays that I'm going to pull out. First quarter, Titan ha- Titans have the ball at their own 32 yards. It's eight minutes and 55 seconds left uh, in the first quarter. The play is going to be called Zoom to Trips Right. So they are, you know, they're balanced um, offense right now. Two receivers on each side. So it's Zoom to Trips Right. Jet, double, under, Y, out. So the tight end is, is zooming over to Trips Right, and we're going to run double out, um, Y, out. I mean, double, double in, Y, out. Double under, Y, out. On this play... Marcus has Delaney Walker, who's in a tight split. Uh, Corey Davis is motioning over. Um, they run two unders to the strong side. To the back side, they run Delaney Walker on a quick out. Marcus is not pressured. He has all the time in the world. They are in off coverage, man-to-man, and he one-hops the ball. This is a situation where Marcus, he has to get the ball Scanned the defense very quickly. They were telling him what defense they were in. When Corey Davis went into motion over to the trip side, they told him we are in man-to-man coverage. He knew with Delaney Walker at a cut split that this was a completable ball. But for some reason, Marcus couldn't complete the ball. He did not step into the throw. Marcus, for some reason, he throws. He's an upper body thrower. He doesn't use his lower body. And this has been a problem with Marcus since he's gotten in the NFL. And he's so much so that he's tried to work on this in the offseason, but to no avail because he still throws with the same mechanics. And I think this is the reason why he one-hopped this five-yard pass to Delaney Walker. It's first and ten. You hit what's well, third and three. You hit that pass, we are moving on with another set of downs. But you can't hit a three-yard pass. This was the start of a dismal day passing for Marcus Mariota. That's the first play. Now, the second play we're going to go to right now is we're going to go bunch left. Um, It's first and 10. The Titans are on their own 28. This is the theme right here. They're on their own um, 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 side of the field. So it's first and 10. Tennessee at the 28. 
We're going to call this play Bunch Left Yo. So the tight end is yoing to the Bunch Left. Okay, so Bunch Left Yo. Quick sl- quick stack. X hitch. Okay, so we're going to run a hitch on the front side of this play. And he- here's the thing about this play is that Marcus has an opportunity, and he hits the play. He hits Corey Davis, not Corey Davis, but he hits um, he hits Brown on the on the on the hitch route. He was decisive in what he saw, and he threw it, and 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 Brown made the catch and turned up the field. This is what we need to start seeing more of Marcus seeing the defense, reading the defense very very quickly, and delivering the ball. He threw the ball to the outside shoulder of Brown. Brown catches it, and Brown turns it up. It's a completion for Marcus Mariota. Footwork was perfect. His eyes were perfect. He read the defense, hit the hit hit the receiver. Receiver gets up field, gets a couple extra yards. This is what we need to see from the quarterback. This is what you know the the quick game. I think he's really good at the quick game. Marcus is. So we need to see more of this. Now we need to see more of it from Ryan Tannehill. Third play here is trips right close. Jet double under Z crash. Why quick post? It's third down. They're at their own 32. Um, I felt it ended up being a pass interference on Delaney. They, they called a pass interference. The guy did wrap Delaney around, wrap Delaney's, uh, around his um, waist. But here's the problem with it. It was an incomplete pass because of the pass interference. But I believe it was the wrong read. It's third and six on this play, okay? And you have two unders by uh, Humphreys and by A.J. Brown, and both of them are wide open. You hit Brown, and Brown has been known to what? Catch it? Turn it up? Yeah. It's hard to tackle this big fella. So you get him the ball quickly so he can turn up the field. They they got bailed out because it was a pass interference, but the right read would have been to the strong side, throwing it to the two unders because you hit, it's a short pass, it's a it's from from him to the wide receiver is a it's, it's, it's there's not a lot of space in between and they're playing off coverage they're playing man to man so you hit AJ Brown quickly allow AJ Brown to turn up the field and get the first down it is third and six you don't need 10 12 yards so was, think, was he already predetermined and I locked think, in yeah, on Delaney he Walker was predetermined and locked in on De- Delaney Walker once he saw the coverage but had he took his eyes off of Delaney Walker very quickly, he would have saw that A.J. Brown was the guy that he should have been throwing it to. You hit A.J. Brown, A.J. Brown has been known to break tackles. The guy does it just, just he does it better than just about anybody in the NFL because he's a big body. You throw it to him at four yards, you let him catch it and turn up the field. I guarantee you the young man gets the, gets the first down. But they were bailed out by the pass interference. Good for the Tennessee Titans. He's so physical that he commits his own pass interference penalties and gets 40-yard pass plays called back yeah, sometimes. And, 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 but that's because he's so good at being physical. Yeah, and that's something that I think he will learn um, as he continues to play this game, that there's a point where you can be physical, yeah. but then there's a point where you got to know that, hey, I I know how to. There's a way he could have did that be without subtle. extending his yeah, arms. Got to be he, subtle. He made it so blatant that the ref had to throw. Like the little Michael Irvin. You el- got to use the chicken kinda, wing. Yeah. You got to use yeah. your body to get the separation. And he he's still learning that. Okay, and there are, there are many other uh, plays that 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 I could have picked out. 
um, on this dissection. But I just picked out those, you know, two or three plays that one was a completion, one was a pass interference that I thought was the wrong read, and then the one was the one hopper to Delaney Walker. Marcus needs Marcus talked about his footwork, his footwork, his footwork. He hasn't gotten better with his footwork. There was another play where the play that he over, you know, that he threw to, to Henry out the backfield that he clearly just overthrew him. He had he had enough time in the pocket to set his feet to yeah. set his feet and hit Delaney Walker on the deep crossing route. Delaney Walker's wide open. Yeah, he's, That's why I say you got to see the field. You got to throw guys open. He had enough time. He just his feet started to get a little antsy. The, the Derrick Henry throw is to me one that's like the demons, right? Yeah. Like it's like you're seeing ghosts because you've been hit so many times this year and last year that that's that's the result is that you're broken because you can't throw that pass. Here, here, let me ask you this, Derek. When you look at whether it's going through progressions mm-hmm. or being decisive with the football, like we know now that Ryan Tannehill's the, the the guy at least for this week. What will be the result? Like, because again, this is what we know about Ryan Tannehill is that they're largely similar players from a skill set standpoint. Except for Ryan Tannehill has a stronger arm and is going to let it. He's going to fire it a little bit sooner mm-hmm. and be on on schedule. What, where does that? How does that affect? Like, if you're that style of player, is it tougher to go through your progressions? Is it tougher to go through reads to be more patient? Like, what what is because Ryan is this particular player? Mm-hmm. What are going to be the issues? With that, does that make sense? Like we know, no, intercep- no. we know interceptions yeah. and is is a potential concern, but we're we're looking at problems that Marcus has. Mm-hmm. Let's put Ryan in those situations mm-hmm. and know that he's going to fire it sooner. Does where does that solve and where does that hurt the problem? If that, well, does that it, question make sense? No, 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 it does. It solves the problem if he's getting the ball away quickly. It solves the problem of the sacks. You know, the quick game. You know, when you don't have, we've seen Tom Brady do this. You know, for a few years, his offensive line is not always great. But what they do is they get the ball out of his hands very quickly so he doesn't have to deal with that. Um, Peyton Manning was the same way when his offensive line wasn't as good. He got rid of the ball very quickly. And then it, it takes away the defense's ability to get up the field. And it's so much so that the defenses are like, listen, just throw your hands up very quickly. So hopefully we can back the ball down because we're not going to get to him because he gets rid of it so fast. That's what Ryan Tannehill gives you. He gives you the ability to get to get rid of the ball, being decisive to get rid of the ball very quickly. Now, you know, the 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 downside of that could be, you know, him throwing interceptions. You know, seeing something and in and in, 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 disguise yeah. coverage will fool exactly. him from time Absolutely. to time. Absolutely. Right. And 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 he might throw in the double coverage because he sees something very quickly and then they end up changing on him. So you're gonna get some turnovers from him. But again, if I'm getting touchdowns too, that's the whole Fitzpatrick thing. Fitzpatrick, for for as as bad as we talk about him, um, what he does is give receivers opportunities to make plays. His problem is sometimes, a lot of times, he just throws caution to the wind, and he shouldn't throw it. Well, we don't want that to be Ryan Tannehill, but we do want him to give the receivers an opportunity to make plays. I believe that if he doesn't see, he's very decisive and very quick at reading. If he doesn't see the first one, he's going on to the second and the third. It might be the right thing to do. It might not be. But at least he's going to scan the field. There are a couple of situations in here where I looked at that I thought Ron Tannehill would have found the open guy. And Marcus, he just didn't for whatever reason. He just didn't. 
And that is another D-Mace dissection here on Morning Drive. NFL fans, don't miss Nashville's best NFL pregame show. Start your morning off with the kickoff show from 10 to 1230, followed by the NFL pregame show live featuring Jared Stillman, Floyd Reese, and Chris Sanders. They will be live from George Jones downtown on 2nd Avenue this Sunday, 1230 to 230, leading up to the Titans and the Chargers. The pregame show brought to you by Wholesale Inc., powered by RumbleOn.com, Kubota Tractors, your Middle Tennessee Kubota dealer, and Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. We will come back, get back into the Predators' big win last night over the Las Vegas Golden Knights, uh, and also a good little tidbit from Bob McKenzie from TSN, on one, Kyle Turris. We're back after this here on Morning Drive. Let me tell you guys a little story about my house on Monday evening. So Monday evening, the Green Bay Packers are playing the Detroit Lions. It's a big, huge game. But you know what? Succession also on HBO had its season finale on Sunday night. Big deal. We didn't get to watch it on Sunday night. So the wife, wife's like, hey, let's watch Succession. we got to sit down and watch Succession. So I'm like, okay. But the Packers are on. She goes, why don't we just get watch this show? You can record the Packers. I said, all right. So we sit down, and number one, Xfinity already had Succession ready to go for me. It already knew that we, we, that we were huge fans of the show. So, so Xfinity had it ready to go. So you know, I don't even need to talk about how the, you know, the, the DVR system had it all set up and ready to go. It knew we loved the show and all that good stuff. But the Packers game, I hit record on the Packers game. and So we watched Succession, phenomenal show, saw the end of it. We get to the Packers game. And, and so I have to go. I want to try to catch up in real time because I don't want to go to bed late because i got to get up early. If you start skipping through programs that you record, there's this thing that Xfinity does now called the Smart Resume Technology, which means I can push one button when a commercial starts. It will fast forward through that commercial, and I don't have to push another button on my Xfinity remote. It will automatically stop. It will just stop for me, and the game will kick back on again. I can just hit one button, it'll fast forward through the commercials, and it will get me right to content. Xfinity, constantly evolving, simple, easy, and awesome technology to make your home experience better. So we watched Succession. I sat down, watched the Packers, got to skip through all of those commercials, and saw Matt LaFleur go 5-1 and one and have the best record in the NFC. Xfinity, simple, easy, and awesome. 1-800-XFINITY is the number. Xfinity.com is the website. Pop into a store today for more details. But we worked a lot harder. We competed a lot harder on the puck. And like I said, the start I thought was okay, the first five to seven, but the next 13 minutes we just weren't. We gave up too much. We gave up, I don't know, 18 chances and probably, uh, sorry, 18 shots and eight or nine chances. So that's too much still. But there's, a, you know, we're, we're learning and figuring that out, I think, after, you know, you get away from it and realize what it takes to, to win on the road. And I thought the guys put really. They thought they really put it in in the second period and third period to tighten things up, and, and we did. Predators head coach Peter Laviolette last night after the Nashville Predators went into Las Vegas and took down the Golden Knights 5-2. to two. Pecorine, his first career win over Las Vegas, uh, two starts and six meetings going into last night. And now if you look at it, Pecorine tied for the league lead in wins at four. He's 4-0-0 on the season, so unblemished for Pekka. And gentlemen, don't look now, but the power play looks pretty darn good. Five for 22, 22.7%. Uh, they've got a goal in five of six games, and that would put them 14th in the league. So Dan Lambert, whoa, yeah, is doing his thing. <laughs> um, I mean, it, 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 this is what we wanted to see. Uh, we wanted to see the um, the power play get better, and it's for, for, for all intents and purposes, 
you know, after a five, six game, it's much better than what it has been. Well, it's uh, going from dead and, last and to exactly. just above uh, middle of the road. And that's what we, we said that would be a win for this team if they can go from last to middle of the pack. And that's what they have done. Um, well, and that, let's be clear again. That number, should it finish at twenty two point exactly. seven, would actually be seventh in the NHL last year. So it's not even middle of the pack; it's top third, if mm-hmm. if not better, top ten. And yeah, so they're doing exactly um, what they need to do to to get this thing to going. Um, but defensively, I'm pretty sure they are they are looking at it and saying, you know, there are things that we need to shore up. But when hell, when you are the number one scoring team. In the National Hockey League, I mean, you can afford to sort of kind of give up goals here and there. I think one guy that's having, you know, a, a sort of a, a, a resurgence um, is Kyle Turris. And this has been the big question, you know, all you know, all, all season, even last year, was is he going to be the guy that the Preds thought they were getting? Uh, can he return back to form? Well, after six games, um, he has two goals. He has two assists. Right now, he has four points. Um, so, and he's playing, you know, twelve, you know, twelve, thirteen minutes um, a game here, here, there. Um, so he's he's doing what I believe the the Predators want him to do. He's being active. He's being a part in a good way in the team's success. He had a goal last night, I believe. Was it last night? He had a goal. Yeah, I had a goal last night. Um, so Turris is one of those guys that if they can continue to get him to going, if he can continue and consistently play this way throughout the season, I mean, short of them, you know, not improving on defense, it's going to be very hard for somebody to beat them in a a seven-game series. It is. Listen, that was a fun hockey game last night. Um, These two teams are, are, are obviously very good on offense, uh, Pekka was great. You guys have pointed out the numbers, the power play, all that good stuff. Um, Turris. Ryan Ellis has had a really excellent start to the year. Um, he's producing at a pretty high clip right now. Six assists. couple more apples last night. Um, apples. Ellie. Ellie with some apples. Um, <laughs> but listen, listen. The, 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 that Vegas and Nashville, they will be sort of always linked together because of their style of home game atmosphere, right? Like, na- like Vegas is very open about the fact that they took took ideas from the Predators, and the Predators are very proud of the fact that, that the Vegas Knights took their ideas. It's not, a, it's not an acrimony. Like, there's not, there's, it, they get along just fine, and there's, more, there's a respect level there. It's just a fun game when those two play against each other because they're, you know, non-traditional markets with sort of entertainment value at the core of their presentation. Off, offense and speed is now a major part of both of their games. It's just a fun thing to watch when Vegas and Nashville play hockey together. And last night was no exception. It was four straight goals and, and a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, midway through the third or midway through the second, they're up 4-2 and you're going, okay, the, you know, the, we're averaging 4.6 a game. Mm-hmm. You still got to get another one <laughs> to actually increase your, your your scoring rate, which, which, again, it's shocking that you can look at a Nashville Predators team and say that four goals will actually decrease your statistics in a game, which is just – it's just remarkable where they're where they've come, but I, I guess that's what you're supposed to get when you spend, 
you know, $50 million on your first two lines. And as DMA alluded to, Kyle Turris playing well, looks like a different player, four points through six games, uh, and he was certainly the subject of a lot of conversation in the offseason. Will he return to form? Did David Poyle try to trade him? What was his value on the market? Let's take a listen. Here's TSN's Bob McKenzie recently on the latest with Kyle Turris and what happened over the summer. When we get a few weeks into the season like this, we can start to look around at, at lineups and where guys are playing and maybe develop some trade talk out of that. When you look at a $6 million a year guy playing on the fourth line in Nashville, does trade talk start right there? Well, Kyle Turris is a situation worth monitoring with the Nashville Predators. Now, I don't think it's any secret in the summer. General Manager David Poyle was trying to move Turris and his contract, which has another five years to go, at $6 million per year. Now, the last game out, he played under 10 minutes. He's currently centering the fourth line. It's not an optimal situation for him. It's not one for the Nashville Predators either. But right now, the reality is that Ryan Johansson's ahead of him, Matt Duchesne, and Nick Benino. So it'll be worth monitoring to see how he fares, how much ice time he's getting, and what his future short-term and long-term might be there. And that's what I said on this show many times this past summer in June when the season ended. I felt all along that David Poyle would try to unload Kyle Turris, even for pennies on the dollar if he could, uh, but he wouldn't get a taker. And at that point, Turris had no value. Now he's off to a good start. Mm-hmm. The question will be for Poyle, what do you do if he continues to play? Well, obviously his value goes up. So do you trade him or do you say, whoa, he's too mm-hmm. valuable for us for possibly winning a cup this year? I guess it all depends mm-hmm. on how the season's going. Um, yeah, what's the defense look like in yeah, about 20 games? Exactly. Good if, point. If, if the defense is still bad, then maybe you make that move um, because you need some defensive help. Um, if defense has caught up and is playing fairly well and, and Turris continues to play well, um, I think you, I think David Poyle keeps him, keeps him because they want to win the Stanley Cup. And they can deal – if he, if they believe in their heart that he gives them a better opportunity to win uh, a Stanley Cup, then I believe they're going to keep him and deal with that after the season. Because to me, whether – if he continues to play this way, whether it's – in the middle of the season or at the end of the season, he still, still, has, he, he he has, still value. has value. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point. Um, yeah, I think he is. I, I, you know, I've always believed he would sort of progress to the mean, which is what I said all offseason. I thought he would go back to to being closer to what he's been his entire career, which is like this fifty point per, per season guy, and he's already showing signs of that. It also depends on what Ellie Tolvanen and Rem Petlick do in, in Milwaukee, right? Like, it's not just hey, what are do we have a weakness on defense that we need to fill? Kyle Turris can help us do that in a trade. Or maybe we've got an injury and one of these younger guys in Milwaukee's ready to play. Like how do how have they progressed? If they're not ready to play, maybe you need to keep Kyle Turris. So like there's like you said, Derek, it's all about how it all plays out. And it's not just Nashville even. It's Milwaukee too. It's how does it all develop over the course of the year. Um and I do I'm I am starting to like the idea of all right, a resurgent Kyle Turris helps you win a cup today, but you want to get out from underneath the contract at the end of the year. That that's a that starts to feel like the smart strategy. The other thing we have we're now six games in to the season and not a peep on Roman Yossi's contract. Mm. So just always something that we're going to need to make sure we note every every sort of almost it's almost like an every game thing. All right, now we're now we're six games closer to the trade deadline and your captain and a pending free agent has not been signed. 
So, just something to consider. All right, coming up 845 this morning, we will stick to sports. But up next, we're going to roll out a new weekly segment where we're going to talk some sports with Sean Henry, president of the Nashville Predators. And one of the things that we'll do is talk a lot about other things in the world of sports with Sean. It's not too often you get a, you know, a president or a CEO of a sports franchise that actually is on Twitter and kind of engages and gives opinions on football and baseball but sean's always been one of those guys so we'll roll that out as a new weekly appearance coming up next here on morning drive on espn 1025 the game welcome back into morning drive espn 1025 the game stick to sports coming up at 8 45 this morning time to roll out a new weekly feature that we will do each and every wednesday here on the show as we welcome in the predators president sean henry New segment called Talk and Shop with the Prez, and we welcome in Sean Henry right now to talk a little bit of sports. Sean Henry, good morning. How are you? I'm tired, man. I was up all night in anticipation of this morning. Oh, was- Sean, you're not tired, man. You're young. Come on. That is well, I'm not that young, but after a big win, it's hard to be tired. Did you did you did you go pot of coffee late last night for the game? Were you drinking a cup of coffee at ten thirty? Nah, you don't need that when the Preds are coming on. Right. <laughs> All right, so let, let, let's get to a couple of good things. I know you've got some thoughts on these topics. I, I want to get your thought on this because I have said for a while on this show, and I think Braden and Derek have pushed back on this, that I think Daniel Jones will end up being a, end up being a better quarterback than Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. Now, I know Ooh. you're a New York Giants fan. So you you watch this guy more than I do. Danny Dimes. Am am I on point here or am I way over my head? Well, I hope you're right, but uh, I got to be honest, I love Lamar Jackson. I think he is fun to watch play football. (laughs) You see see him play, it's like watching Steve Young or uh, Cunningham. I mean, he can do everything, and he has fun with it, and he makes fun of his opposition after the game, which I love. And he's a Cardinal, so a real Cardinal, not that team in Arizona. <laughs> you got to love him for that. Uh, but I sure hope I'm wrong on Daniel Jones. I mean, I was not very happy when they drafted him. I thought it was uh, horrendous. I thought they could have taken him a little bit later or traded down at least. But uh, so far he's proved me wrong, which is good. Is there any lesson at all about that particular sort of situation where a fan base sort of is like what are you doing and then all of a sudden like you know the gm no he has to sort of like trust his own instincts and hey this is our guy and it's all going to be fine like is there anything you a, a, a franchise can learn from how that whole situation went down well i think the biggest thing and you hear floyd always talk about it when you make a decision you got to be confident in it and you can't as much as we all listen to our fans about so many things you cannot listen to fans about personnel decisions mm-hmm. Because a lot of a draft pick, especially in the NFL and a quarterback, you're not drafting for that September. You're drafting for a 10-year window. So you have to be patient. Um, but I remember, I like making fun of Philly fans, as we all do, or at least two-thirds of us do. Um, remember when they drafted uh, probably their best quarterback in franchise history, and they rioted and booed and threw batteries at Santa Claus. They did. And, <laughs> Very you know, true. More, yeah, more often than not. Us as just fans are wrong about drafts in the NFL, I think, and it kind of proves out time and time again, doesn't it? Yeah, you, yeah, absolutely right. Um, you know, sometimes fans um, and, and and Brayton has always talked about this. When fans go to these drafts, a lot of them don't even know the player that is getting drafted. They're just booing because they don't like the position, not necessarily the player. 
Um, you know, you, you see it here, you see it everywhere. Um, because so I think so many people, especially in the South, well, in the North, they don't think so much about college football. They're more so into pro football. Here in the South, I think right. they love college football. They love college football more than they love the NFL. So you get two different type of fan when when so when when New York drafts, you know, um, Daniel Jones. Even though you know you didn't like the draft, and I think a lot of people didn't like it, but fans are looking at it like, who is he? Well, this is a guy that put up some right. numbers in college, you know. And he can't, comes out of quarterback. You, I mean, the exactly. last guy drafted by the NFL out of. Duke, well, that was a giant, too. That didn't work out that well. Hopefully, <laughs> second time's the charm, right? Sean Henry is joining us. So one of the things that I, I kind of went on a little bit of a tangent on yesterday towards the end of the show was the start time for the Yankees and the Astros. And I, I think that's the far more compelling series of the ALCS and NLCS when you look at the two going into the series. And they're starting the game at 3.08 Central Time you're a front office guy. You work with television networks and partnerships. What What is the thought process of putting such a marquee series with a marquee brand on at a point where people might not even see it when they're at work? You know, I was surprised at the 3 o'clock start time because you always have that goofy New York bias where they got to play in prime time, prime time. Um, but I love it. I really do. I think when a big game's on, you're going to figure a way to watch it. And remember the old days, it's – Debunking what uh, D-May said to me about being young, I'm so old. Everyone who soon got knocked, putting all the games at night in prime time. And it's funny now they're getting knocked for being a little bit earlier. For me, it was the best afternoon in my office because mm. the game was on in the background. I had two meetings in the middle of it. Uh, they didn't really go that well because we were down two nothing. And then I ran out to my car, literally sprinted. I was like OJ in the airport, if you can still say that. <laughs> And I jumped in the car because I know the game's on 102.5, and it wasn't. Floyd and Jared preempted the American League pennant, and I had to listen to Jared guarantee that we were going to lose last night. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you switched it over, we were losing 4 nothing. So I blame Jared Stillman for the Yankees' loss yesterday. Good. In, in which case, way to go, Jared. Uh, <laughs> um, let, let, me, let, me, let me ask you this, uh, uh, Sean, just in, in a general question about sort of just, you know, people in public life, um, whether it's sp- athletes that are really, really famous, you know, LeBron's dealing with his, you know, sort of issue right now. Just in general, um, h- how do you think people in public should battle misinformation? You know, it, it is hard. You know, I never thought I was in public, if you will, and obviously I am a little bit nothing like, you know, a superstar by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, people You're a superstar in our eyes, Sean. What's that? You're a superstar in our eyes. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> but, you know, everyone always says they want more, right? They want to know about the person. They want to know what they think. They want to know what they feel until someone says something that they disagree with. Whether he was right or wrong in what he said, I'll leave that to other people so I don't get beat up. But um, I, I always think it's sad when people do say something and then people jump on them for saying it. And sometimes that has nothing to do with what the final message was. So I, I think when someone says something negative about you, sometimes you got to stay away from it. Um, I think there are some ground rules, though. If it's about your family, well, then you don't stay away from it. But when it's about your point of view, if you defend yourself, you're giving the other guy voice sometimes. It's kind of like the debate last night. It's mm-hmm. always artful when you watch those. 
when they don't mention the opponent's name. You know, they call him the statesman or the gentleman from. And I kind of subscribe to that theory. You know, why give life to someone knocking you? No, you're absolutely right. Um, the <laughs> college football, um, and I know you 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 love to follow college football as well as pro football. Um, the big loss last week, Georgia. Um, in your eyes, because we always do our Thursday, what is it, Thursday rankings? Top four. Uh, top four um, rankings. We do it, and it's coming up this week. Um, who would you have as your top four teams in college football uh, right now from what you've seen? You know, my biggest problem, you hit it earlier in the segment with college football, is growing up in the north in New York. Mm-hmm. College football is newer to me. I moved to Michigan. I fell in love with the passion there, mm-hmm. and then I was in Missouri and then Florida and obviously here. So I've been four great college markets. But mentally, I'm still stuck in the 70s or 80s <laughs> in January college football. It's the only time I ever watched. So I think the top four teams are Nebraska, Penn State, <laughs> Alabama. I mean, mentally, you can't say that. Uh, I, I, currently, I don't think you can ever put anyone past Alabama until someone mm-hmm. proves you know, that they can't win every year. I'll tell you, Oklahoma's fun to watch again. Uh, the Georgia game shocked me. I guaranteed so in South Carolina would win just to mess with them. They were a big you know, Georgia person. And when they did win, they thought I was a genius. But obviously, I was like everyone else in the world. Mm-hmm. I still think you have to put Georgia up there, don't you guys? Yeah, I mean, Braden, you have them not dropping as far I, as we do. Yeah, I've got them at six in the country because everybody struggles once. You're allowed mm-hmm. sort of one. It's the second time that sort of eliminates you. But everybody struggles one time. Clemson struggled with North Carolina. I still think it's about coaches and players, and Georgia's got about as good a set of coaches and players as anybody else. So, I agree. It, it's just uh, and the playoff format allows you to have a mistake every year now, as opposed to mm-hmm. years past you have some odd loss and it really you know just punished you to the end. So, but I, I put Alabama top. I know they're not ranked at the top, but they should be because number one, Nick Saban's a Preds fan. Number two, <laughs> it's hard to bet against Nick Saban or Bill Belichick, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. right. All right, Sean, I know you have a couple of good initiatives going on, one of which uh, November 2nd is the first of two Hockey Fights cancer games for this upcoming season. Uh, tell the audience and tell Preds fans a little bit about that and how they can get involved. Well, it's funny. Our, our Hockey Fights cancer nights got so big that we added one. You know, mm. most teams do one, now we do two, one in the fall, one in the spring. And really, it's a lot of that is due to Pecorine and Shea Weber when they started the 365 fund. So here's an opportunity when you're at the game, you can bid on things, donate, show your passion and support, wear purple or gold. Let's make sure everyone looks like a Laker fan almost and showing their support for uh, the fight and awareness. And if you can't make the game, you can tune in on the game. It's our international game. So we're the prime game in Europe. That's why we're playing so early. But you can bid on things through the auction. We're also selling 10,000 I fight for pucks for $10 each. That is, let's generate $100,000 that way. And uh, we'll have a public display of those 10,000 pucks that are going to be bought and purchased. But it's a, it's a really fun way to bring attention to something that touches all of us. And in a passive fundraising way, gives us a chance to you know, provide needed funds to continue research and push back. I mean, we're, we're winning this fight on cancer as we raise more money and success rates continue to climb. But let's face it, too many people are still touched. Treatment is too harsh. And then, unfortunately, too many people are passing from it. Uh, and then also, so that was November 2nd, which is one of two. Then also on November the 18th, which is a Monday, Catching Deers with Mike Fisher, a celebrity clay shoot presented by Implement Now. What can you tell us about that? 
You know, when Mike Fisher retired the first time, uh, we talked to him immediately about let's let's engage together, let's bring each other's passions to life. I mean, he is so generous to the community and what he does with his name and, and his his money. And uh, then he came back, fortunately for us, so it got put off a little bit. But it had the conversation started. So when he retired, we started meeting about how to engage a little deeper on some like causes. And like he said, I want to put a individual stamp on what we do and how we try to raise money and he's a big outdoorsman his whole product line you know backs it up has some fun with the old catching deers moniker and for him to be able to say this is what i want to do this is how we can do it and get so involved in the operations and x's and o's of this event it's absolutely awesome so you can go to our website to sign up um i'm not a big shooter but i'm going to be out there uh hopefully someone can show me which way to point the gun or which part to put against my shoulder but uh, it, it's just great when you have guys retire and stay in your market. Mm-hmm. We're seeing that more and more, and especially when you have a guy like that who wants to make this the best place in the world to live. Um, so we have a chance to raise some money, and, and then we'll invest it together in like-minded causes from mm-hmm. uh, you know kids that need a little hand up and, and a little extra love to also some initiatives in Haiti. Um, his, his mindset's a lot like ours. Mm. Sean, Sean, we can help you with the gun thing just at the ground, dude. Yeah. Just keep the keep keep the barrel pointed at the ground. It's how they're trained in the military. Keep it pointed at the ground. Well, then how do you hit the clays? Because I think they go in the sky. I don't think well, like right, that. right. I'm just saying all the other times that you're holding the gun, keep it on the ground. Keep it pointed until. at the ground until it pull, and then you hear pull, and then you can shoot. All right. My uh-huh. advice is everyone should stand behind me. Yeah, exactly. that too. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sean, good stuff. We really appreciate the visit. We'll look forward to doing this uh, each and every Wednesday. Thank you very much. Well, thanks, guys. My goal is to try to get invited back for next Wednesday, so hopefully that happens. You'll be back. Absolutely. One for one. We appreciate it. Sean Henry, talking shop with the president of the Nashville Predators. This week, a little baseball, a little Daniel Jones. Next week, I don't know, maybe some high school football picks. Yeah. yeah. NFL picks, Over college Rangers. picks. The man has opinions. And then we want to hear those opinions. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you guys ready for stick to sports? Hey, I'm always ready for oh, stick to sports, especially today. It's gonna be. Oh yeah, it's gonna be. Epic. What'd you say on Periscope during the break? Right. On fleek. Yeah, on. Is that fleek. what you said? It's gonna be on fleek, man. I don't mm-hmm. know what that means. I don't either. But we'll find out. On fire. Not Jordan Van Fleet. No, that's no. no it's Fred. Not Van Fred. Fleet. Not Fred. Fred Van, Van, Fred Van, Van Fleet. Fleet. Yeah. Oh wow. Exactly. You totally botched that. Kind of like it's, me. It's on fleek. Fleet. Got to stay on brand here. Yeah. <laughs> Back after this on Morning Drive. So emotional, baby. Every time I think of you, I get so emotional, baby. Exactly what love can do. And exactly what love can do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's love. That's love. <laughs> Above. Above. I'm actually watching Derek Mason live watching. on Periscope yeah. while he's doing a radio show that I'm sitting next to him doing. <laughs> Mind, Mind blowing. blowing. <laughs> Put it up on the mic. <laughs> oh. did, did, you get him, did you get him singing? Here we go. Mind blowing. Man. What a world we live in. Look We're on a little bit of a delay. Who would have ever thought this? That you can actually watch someone while you're sitting next to them actually do a show. This is peak. 
This is peak, like, returning to our caves, like Dang. cavemen, where we're going to sit next to each other and only talk to each other on Twitter. Yes. Yes. We sound like cavemen. We're like the Geico guys. Like, uh, I, I just had an epiphany. Uh-huh. You, D- Derek Mason's got a really different outfit on today. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're very... Unique Do you movie. guys recall the movie Four Brothers with Mark Wahlberg, Andre yes, 3000, Tyrese? Uh-huh. You remember the the fight scene at the end when Mark Wahlberg fights the gangster? How do yeah. you remember all this stuff? Yeah, I remember that. They're fighting yeah. on the ice in the snow. Uh-huh. I think his name was Vic. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. His name was Vic. D-Mace has the same outfit on basically as the guy that was going out in the snow for the fight. Yeah, he do. He actually does. Normally, Mace's head. So people that can't see yeah. us or, or check out his periscope, by the way. Exactly. Um, D normally is wearing, like, you're sort of like 42 shades of gray. Like, yeah. you, you're going to wear basically black, dark black, light black, gray, light gray, dark gray. Yeah, that's the only color. Like, that's basically yeah. pants, hat, shirt, shoes. That's the way it no, is. no, shoes will have some color. You'll throw some, some pop of color in there with the shoes. Uh, but rarely does he walk in in white clothing. Yeah. Tan clothing, beige clothing, anything but bright black. light yeah. colors. It's very, it's, it's. I'm very off put right now. The 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 guy who fights Mike Wahlberg is in the movie. His name is Victor Sweet, and he's played by Chiwetel Ejiofor, who was also in Inside Man. He was the cohort cop with Denzel yes, in, in Inside, that, yeah. but not the guy on the new Old Spice commercial. No, correct. Okay. No, that's Montez Sweat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, we got to get a picture of him in that movie and then snap a picture of D-Mace and put up a side-by-side. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. close. But you know what we got to do now? Yeah, let's stick to sports. Stick to sports. The world is a crazy place. Crazy sounding pretty good right now. Let's lighten the mood. After all that seriousness, <laughs> you're just going to crumble it up and throw in the trash. Basically. And stick to sports. Now, on Morning Drive. <laughs> All right, good people. Stick to Sports is brought to you by Decorated Den Interiors. Stick with the pros at Decorated Den when you're ready to decorate your home, office, or outdoor spaces. Request a complimentary, which is free in this world, as we know, appointment at decoratingden.com, people. Number one. Now, I know you guys noticed the theme of the show today has been the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I've played music from all over the place. And Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was announced yesterday. Notorious B.I.G., our mm-hmm. very own Whitney Houston is on the list. Dave Matthews Band, Thin Lizzy. There's a ton of people. Soundgarden, a ton of people mm-hmm. on this Hall of Fame list for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And congratulations to Biggie. Biggie becoming the seventh rap act to get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So kudos to Biggie well, on kudos. that. Well, um, kudos. Two, pa- two, two PAC is in it. Two, yeah, uh, two PAC is in it. Two PAC. Yeah, he's in it. Tupac for those uh, I, 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 I am so don't know what we're talking about. The, I saw the list, and I, like, I just had one of those moments where I was like, I can't believe that I'm old enough to watch, to see Dave Matthews Band get nominated mm. for the Hall of Fame. Like, it's more about like me feeling really old. Yeah. When I see all my favorite acts from like the '90s, you know Biggie, Dave Matthews Band, a few other ones. I'm not a huge Pat Benatar guy, uh-huh. but I'm sure Motorhead, Nine yeah, Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails wasn't. I mean, I I, I love the '90s grunge rock, but I, yeah, I wasn't. Benatar had some hits. Now. I, I know. I just wasn't my thing. You know, whatever. It's all good. Um, but I I did listen to way too much Dave Matthews Band in the yeah. '90s, um, and I, I just am amazed. I could just. I feel so old watching them be nominated <laughs> for the Hall of Fame. Ah, Big Papa, 
All the honeys, dummies, playboy. Bunnies, I love it because money. Also, this is the seventh, and I never, never thought. Well, I you know I knew it was going to come eventually, but uh-huh. a rap artist actually getting in there. Grandmaster Flash and you know the Furious Five. They were the first group. Mm-hmm. Then it was Run DMC, Beastie Boys, Public Enemies in there, NWA, and also Tupac. So Biggie is now the seventh. Who do you think rap wise? Who do you think is going to be the next one up? Oh man! I mean, you got Outcast. a bunch of yeah. Outcast should be in it. Outcast, um, Outcast, one hundred percent should be. In I, it. I just say not right now. I, I think next oh, year. But they got started I in think, the nineties yeah. though, so I they've think, been around a while. Um, I think people like I think Common. Um, How far is Lil be, Wayne away? Because he got started. He, he's, a, he's a few years away. Yeah. He's, he's about he's about five. He got five started more like ninety eight, ninety nine, yeah. and Outcast was like ninety three, right? Ninety four. I'll say this: LL Cool J. LL Cool J, yeah. He'll be, he'll be one that's right, on the list. Let me ask you guys, where where do you put LL Cool J purely, not from an entertainment standpoint, because he's done a ton of movies and, and all kinds of other stuff, but simply musically, where does he, like, remember we did our uh, mm-hmm. NCAA tournament seating, you know, like, mm-hmm. it, where does he fall relative to the outcasts and the biggies and the Jay-Z, because Jay-Z could probably go in pretty soon too. I mean, right, he got going in the 90s, so it's not, he's been going for 20 plus if, years. Yeah. Like, I've, never, I've never viewed his music as up on the same levels as other guys. Well, it, it depends on how you're doing this bracket. If you're doing this bracket based off of 80s, early 90s mm-hmm. rap, he's probably one of those 3-4 seed teams that can potentially win a national championship. He's one of those teams. So, Because I, I think his music was dope. And yeah, this is like even cool J. when he was, I Need Love Days and all that other. Yeah, LL Cool J did an excellent job at you know catering to, you know, to men and women, you know, I need love and, and and other songs that he made catered toward more of the women's, the woman, and then you know, rock the bells and Mama said knock you out and some of these other hits he had, you know, was to the hardcore, you know, rap person. But he's um, also really transitioned from music to television oh, to course. movies. Yeah, he was. And he was in Training Day. He was in Training Day. He He's had a hell of a run of, on what NCIS. He was one of the first guys beside Tupac, uh, because I think Tupac when before he came his out with passing, Juice. Yeah, he started really opening doors and being in movies and and whatnot. Uh, but I think LL Cool J was that one, that next guy that that you saw was more than just the rapper. He Do you found think a that- way to kind of. You know, bridge that gap between rap and like Hollywood. We always talk about how the young generation kind of sees things like kind of similar to the OJ thing of they they don't know what OJ did back when they just know mm-hmm. what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing with hip hop where it's like, yeah, you don't know that Ice Cube is one of the greatest lyricists in hip hop, mm-hmm. one of the greatest lyricists, and yet people don't know that because they see Are We There Yet and they're like, that's the dude from Friday and Are the Are We There Yet right. and all these other movies. So we've gotten to a point now to where we look at some of these rappers and they're kind of larger than life they're not even like we don't even look at them as rappers anymore we just look at them as well, it's, that's it's, ice cube that's ice right, tea it's, it's a like, new stage of your career like the rock for a lot of people was not a wrestler yeah exactly like, like i don't know the rock as a wrestler at all because i never once watched him do that stupid eyebrow thing ever i've never I seen him do that more so Whoa, as an actor there. now he's than, he's the most dominant actor yeah, in hollywood he's the most financially wrestler. lucrative actor in hollywood he is, makes more money than everyone else but i have no idea what he did in a wrestling ring, I know more about his playing days at Miami than I do about his wrestling career. So, and another guy that really, and I said LL Cool J, and and I'm going to correct myself. Will Smith really took that mantle of, 
you know, entertainer, rapper, entertainer, and he's parlayed it into being one of the most powerful people in Hollywood. All right, who's a better actor? Will Smith, right? Yeah, Will Smith. Not even close, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Who's a better musician? Yeah, a cool dude. Well, not, uh, I, uh, oh, it's not even close. Between musically. actors and, and rappers? No, no, no. Between Will Smith and LL Cool J. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Will better, Smith was the better easy, actor. Yeah, he's the LL Cool J. LL Cool J is a better musician. He, yeah, I would say LL Cool J is probably the better um, rapper, yeah. sort of speak. But let's not forget, Will okay. Smith. I was just curious what Will Smith thought. won the first rap Grammy, so he kind of yeah. opened the door for that as well, and as well as having his own sitcom, which. But is that also, I mean, right, is that also he, because he was appealing to a different yeah, audience for the first time? Yeah, he appealed. He was clean. He, 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 he opened appealed, up the doors exactly. for people. He appealed to yeah. both you know, black and white, everybody. Because of the way he rapped and, 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 and then his ability to go from the rap world to the acting world. And now he owns just about everything. Hey, Brayden, what's your favorite rock movie? Ro- it like, doesn't like matter what rock? your favorite rock movie is. I don't even get that. I don't even get that. Now, with that being said. I can't even name a rock movie. We can go to break. Skyscrapers? <laughs> is that a building movie? What else has he been in? Jumanji? Can, can you name another San one? San Andreas? San Andreas? Can you name another Scorpion one? King. I haven't named any good ones yet. Uh, uh, Gridiron Gang. Tooth Fairy. How about, all, how about all of the other You rides? know what? Who cares if y'all can name a movie or not? We got to go to break. How about every single Fast and the Furious? <laughs> yep. Final hour of the show coming up next. Nick Braden, Victor Sweet, and Marquise. Stay there. We're back after this.